Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. dimension beyond that which is known to man it is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity it is the middle ground between light and shadow between science and superstition and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge this is the dimension of imagination it is an area which we call the twilight zone Okay, Eric, what's the secret word for this episode? The secret word for this episode today is tire. Tire. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast, the Twilight Zone series. I'm your host, Jimbo, and I'm joined once again by one of my great childhood friends. And I don't just want to say childhood friends because now, um, after rekindling, I think it's been like after 25 years, he's now becoming a good friend once again. Good friends never go away. They just fade. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so... Uh, I'm joined once again by Eric Cummings. Eric, it's great to have you back again, once again. ADZ, back in the house. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's great to be uh, following up on... Just don't, uh, what is just it? don't say... Do what? Just don't just don't say goodnight, because that means we're signing off. <laughs> uh, yeah, this yeah. is episode 16 of the Twilight Zone series, The Hitchhiker, and this is such a fun episode. I really like this episode. So, Eric... Uh, we know the routine. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. All right. This is entitled uh, The Twilight Zone, episode number 16, entitled The Hitchhiker. Uh, this episode was released on January 22nd, 1960. Again, these are just getting pumped out every week, week after week after week. Rod Sterling is uh, Amazing. pumping these Amazing. out. Yeah, it, it is uh, directed by Alvin Ganser and a teleplay writing credits, of course, to Rod Sterling. And it's based on The Hitchhiker. It doesn't say if this is a book. I'm assuming this was a book by Lucille Fletcher. And, it's actually uh, a radio a radio play. Oh, It was a radio okay, play. Yeah. Okay, that wasn't uh, included in the notes here. That's good to know. So this is like a 1940s radio play, like things they used to do back then, I guess, maybe? Uh, like I'm a, assuming. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's all I have as far as the introduction, uh, the basics. Go ahead with the uh, cast, Jimbo. Well, one thing I'd like to point out is one thing I like about The Twilight Zone is 
Um, you don't just see one director all the way through. Rod Serling takes different directors uh, throughout the entire run of the series, and I think that's really cool because you get different perspectives from different um, the way the director is directed. And I just thought that was really cool. I wanted to throw that out there real quick. Um, Since this is, I believe, the only the first time I've saw Alvin Ganser as the director uh, since we've been doing this, I think it's really cool that he does spread it out. So we're going to talk about the cast real quick. Uh, Inger Stevens plays Nan Adams. And boy, is she good in this. Um, But she was uh, famous for being in Hang 'em High, the Clint Eastwood uh, Western, uh, where she played Rachel Warren. Uh, You had Adam Williams as the sailor. Um, He was in uh, Hitchcock's North by Northwest, uh, where he played Valerian. Leonard Strong as the hitchhiker. Uh, He was famous for being in the Western Shane, uh, where he played Ernie Wright. Uh, You had Russ Bender as the counterman. Lou Gallo as the mechanic. George Mitchell as the gas station man. Uh, George Mitchell was also in... Dark Shadows. So once again, we see somebody from the TV uh, soap opera Dark Shadows from back in the day where he played Matthew Morgan uh, in 1966. And you had Eleanor Audley as Mrs. Whitney, who was the voice on the telephone at the end. Um, we won't, we'll get there because it's, it's a big plot twist there. So we'll just wait until we get there. Uh, yep. The synopsis for this is a woman who is traveling across the country uh, from I believe it's New York to Los Angeles or somewhere it's that span of the country uh, keeps running into the same hitchhiker who always seems to be ahead of her no matter how fast she drives or how slow she drives where she stops off he always keeps popping back up so um, that's a great um, great story great premise so Eric let's go ahead and take it away okay so uh, the opening scene um, we see Nan Adams with the uh, the mechanic and she's on the side of the road it gives a brief description about, uh, well, actually, Rod Serling is in the uh, the preliminary um, narration in the beginning. He gives a description that she's 27 years old. She lives in New York City. She, I forget what her occupation was. I think she worked for a department store or something. And um, she's traveling from New York to Los Angeles, like you uh, mentioned earlier. And she has this exchange with the, uh, the mechanic. And he tells her, this is very interesting and it's very key to the entire episode. He's, he makes the comment that he's surprised that she survived going 65 miles an hour. And this is the key phrase. He says, um, somebody should have not called a mechanic, but they should have called a hearse. Because if you get a flat tire going that rate of speed, um, more than likely you're not going to survive the crash. It's going to be, um, depending on you know how bad the blowout is, I guess you could lose control and... Uh, he's maybe the mechanic has seen that type of scene or accident before so even a blockhead like me can pick up on uh you know that quote and go okay this is going to be important in the uh later rounds of the episode here this is a the key phrase um to the episode so the the scene closes with her driving away after the mechanic tells her to follow him to the shop and they'll settle up you know uh paying and all that stuff and so we go to the uh, the commercial. No, not break. yet, not no? yet. Because um, after he gets the tire ch- changed, and he says, "Follow me." She looks up, and there's a guy sticking. He's in a suit, and he sticks out his thumb for a hitchhike. And right. she looks at him. And she's like, "Well, that's weird." And she just she just drives on right on past him, which yeah, is really interesting because once you come back, 
That's the first time you see the hitchhiker. Yeah. So I didn't want to leave out that important part because he plays a a great role in this entire episode. So, okay, Eric. So now we've, uh, we're back from commercial break and we are at like the gas station, right? Yeah. Uh, we are at the gas, uh, station, the, uh, the filling station and he, he, uh, the mechanic gives her the bill. She pays and you know, she asks, did you see the, she asked the mechanic, did you see the hitchhiker? And he's like, what? I didn't, I didn't see any hitchhiker when we were on the road. And she kind of thinks maybe it's all in her mind. And then, uh, she looks in like her, I think it's like a rear view mirror or something. And she sees the reflection. Well, no. So this would be like the second time. Wasn't no, it? it's, it's, it's her, it's her, um, oh, it's her, her case. Uh, purse or whatever. Yeah, her, the, the, I, I call it a purse, but it looks like a. Uh, ladies, if you're familiar with the longer burger baskets, that's what it reminds me of. She opens it up and she sees it in the the, the mirror of her makeup case or whatever where she has yeah, her money. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of, like my grandma used to have one of those back in the day, like a big old <laughs> makeup makeup tote and it, yeah, and it had the mirror on it. My bad, I thought it was the car mirror, but she sees it out of the reflection of that mirror. And then she asks the mechanic again a few more questions. Um, and basically, then she goes on her way and tells him, thanks a lot for the help. And he says, you take it easy, miss, and have a nice, safe trip. And so Nan gets back in her car, and she's driving away. And I think this was a Mercury, if I'm not mistaken, like a 1960s Mercury. It's a cool-looking car. That's all I know. Right. And this is one of my favorite parts of this whole episode. As she drives away from the gas station, this guy, the hitchhiker, just puts his face right up there, and he just looks at you and gives you this little smile. And I actually jumped the first time I was watching this because I had my headphones in and just the music everything. He just pops in and gives you that smile. You're like, huh. So, I mean, she's driving away. She sees him on the side of the road again ahead of her with her thumb out, and she's like, you know, I've seen him. I've seen him here. I see him fifty miles, uh, you know, further. She said. Then I see him short ways. He's just standing there. He's like not doing anything. He's not missing. He's just, you know, just trying to hitchhike. <laughs> yep. So she's she's back in her car, and um, is this where she has some like inner dialogue with herself, and she's right, talking about right. what he looks like, and you know how she keeps seeing him, and now she ends up on a like a turnpike. So I guess she's like maybe in. New Jersey? I, I'm not exactly sure where she's at in her journey so far. Uh, but they, I think I read something where she keeps referencing like Highway 11, how she's going west. And like I guess when you look on a map, there is no Highway 11 that goes from New York to Los Angeles or something like that. It would probably be more like Route 66 or something like that. But they keep right. referencing it many times in the episode, but it doesn't actually right. exist, I guess. Right, but before she gets on the turnpike, you know, she, she sees him as she's driving. And she pulls over. It looks like it's like a hotel or something. She's got to stop. But he's on like the driver's side now like this. And she just pulls back off. And then she's like, now I'm on a turnpike. Hopefully, you know, I'm going faster. Now I won't see him again. Um, you know, nobody would really come this way. So that's where she is now. Yeah. And then uh, it goes a little further and she ends up in a diner now. She's uh, inside of a diner and she's talking to the counterman. And she asks the counterman an odd question. Do you get a lot of hitchhikers through this area or something mm-hmm. like that? And he's like, no, why would anybody hitchhike through this? I guess it was maybe like a smaller town or something. And he's like, no, why would there be hitchhikers back and forth? And why would you ask me that question? And then she kind of backs away and, you know, doesn't want to look odd or out of place or whatever. And and they kind of have an exchange. Um, and she's like by the door and she, she tells the guy, the counter clerk, I hate the car. I just, I keep, she kind of gives little bits and pieces that she sees 
the hitchhiker and she tells the counterman and then they kind of have a brief exchange and then she leaves and then she comes up to the next scene is she's at like a roadblock in the highway and the the uh, the cone worker or whatever uh, he tells her that she's going to have to wait because the highway's down because they're doing construction or something like that and then lo and behold here comes the hitchhiker again approaching her car from the passenger <laughs> side back and he's giving her he's I don't know it's kind of like the thumbs of a hitchhiker you know thumb and a ride kind of deal but like a thumbs up <laughs> I, yeah he's kind of he's obviously beckoning her and she's completely freaked out scared and what does she do? She like peels out and turns around and goes, or she goes around the barricade, doesn't she? And then yeah, uh, she goes around. The guy's the like, "Miss, miss, there's construction," you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was interesting that you know I don't know if it was for, it's like on the side of a mountain or something, and I don't know if there was like falling rocks or something she could have been hit by, but she just goes around the barricade. Nothing happens, and she goes along. And again, the the, the camera zooms in on the hitchhiker again as she as her car drives by. It's you know, his face is really close in the camera. And then she comes to a railroad crossing. And now this this train, like, took forever. I don't know how <laughs> long the actual scene is, but it seemed like hours that she was stuck on this railroad track and she couldn't get her car started or whatever. And she was just looking at the train, you know, instead of getting out of the car or whatever, you know, she's just <laughs> right? looking at the train. It's, it's like four miles back and it's slowly coming and she tries to start doing it and she looks back it's still way back there and i'm like lady get out of this car <laughs> yep and then the hitchhiker of course is in her windshield and he's just standing there on the opposite side of the railroad tracks just looking at her the whole time and i mean uh, that scene took forever to develop and she finally gets the car started and puts in reverse and she backs up in the train uh, of course misses her and everyone can breathe a sigh of relief I guess, and uh, so then there's when, she, when after the sorry, after the go train goes by though, and she gets the car started, because she backs up and the train goes by. Once she goes over the railroad tracks, the guy has disappeared. The hitchhiker is no longer there. Right, right. And then I think that was at this point she has some more inner dialogue maybe with herself after the uh, near death experience with the train. And now, Eric, I, I I got a I got a question for you. Has she already? Okay. Um, did she already exchange cars? Wasn't she going to exchange cars, buy a new car? Uh, I don't think she changes cars in this episode. Um, okay, now, uh, I just wanted to make sure. I thought, I thought she was thinking about... Well, no, I know. This has a very psycho feeling, but I thought she's... Yeah. Has, maybe she's maybe she's talking to the... Uh, that's when she's talking to the uh, uh, the cook or whatever at the, at the restaurant. You know, she's like, oh. you know, ma'am, you know, you should pick up somebody, especially in a car like that or whatever. So yeah, now maybe. she, there it is. It's, it's, it is now she you knows she's gone and, and she's been driving so fast and so furious that she runs out of gas and she, she decides she's going to take these country, this country road, you know, try to uh, lose him or whatever she grabs. And this is funny because if you notice uh, when she gets out of her car after she's run out of gas, she's not carrying that big purse looking thing anymore. Now she's just got like a little, a little thing in her hand. You know what I mean? I thought that was, it was kind of weird to me because I don't know what she had and what she did. And then if you see this. There's a sign that says gas and eats just ahead, but she's running the other way. She keeps going oh, the other I way. So do you see what I'm saying? The gas and eat sign is back the other way than the way she's going. So there's no way that she should be coming to this right now. She should have been going the other way. Huh? I thought that I was very have, interesting. Yeah. I must've missed that. Um, so then she finally gets to the, to the gas station 
uh, old, you know, this is an old style gas station with, you know, the owner operator type deal where the guy's house is like next to his uh, business and she starts banging on the window and this guy's really curt with her short. He like <laughs> raises a window. He's like, ah, it's after midnight. We, we close at nine. And she's like, please, please, I just need gas. I, I, I got to get back on the road. I ran out of gas. And this guy does not want to have anything to do with her. He tells her to go home and come back in the morning. He's not going to help. Which, man, why wouldn't he help the lady? He's just <laughs> totally he, mean to her. What I like about it is he's like, there's a suspicious man following me. He's like, well, has he said anything to you? <laughs> has he done anything to you? He's like, well, no. He's like, he's Whoa. just there. She's like, he's just there. He's like, okay. <laughs> you know, right. he shuts the door. Well, the, he comes back, uh, come back and I'll call the cops for you. It's like, wow, you're a really helpful guy. <laughs> She's like, so it's a really, uh, very, you know, worth waking me up in the middle of my sleep to do this. Yep, and then uh, along comes a sailor in the next scene, right? A guy who was traveling back, trying to get back to his ship, I think, in San Diego or something like that. And she explains her situation, and uh, does she tell him about the hitchhiker at this point? I don't think well, she, well, maybe she does. What happens is she's still crying on the window, and then a hand reaches on her shoulder, and she turns around, and she about dies because she thinks it's the hitchhiker. And she's like, oh, right. she's like, you know, I'm, he's like, lady, you okay? He's like, why, why are you doing out so late? So he's genuinely concerned for her that why is this le- nice, pretty young lady out here all alone in the middle of the night? She's like, look, I ran out of gas a little bit up the road. She says, I just, I just came here to see if I could get some gas, but the man here, he's, he won't give me any. And um, Sarah's like, look, I saw your car, and, 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 and I see where you're at. And he's, she said, well, are you from around here? He's like, no, I'm trying to get back to my ship in San Diego. And she's like, well, would you like a ride? <laughs> you know, I, I, I will give you a ride to San Diego because she is literally petrified. And the guy's like, are you kidding me? Because he's never been taken up on a proposal to say, hey, let me get a ride, let alone from anybody, let alone a nice, pretty young lady. He's like, sure, you got yeah. yourself a ride. She's like, I just don't have any gas right now. She's like, well, he's like, well, we'll fix that. So she's like, well, the guy went to bed. He slammed everything down on me. So he starts, well, let's wake him up. And he starts banging yeah. on the window. And I wish you could have seen the exchange because it doesn't show it. I wonder if he sees a sailor now. He's like, oh, you know, this guy might beat me up if I don't give him the gas is what I thought. So Eric, take it away. Now they're going back to yeah. put gas in her car. And now they're driving along the road. Yeah, I really like that that scene with it. You know, the sailor's like, well, we'll we'll figure this out. We'll fix this. And I wish, I like you, I wish we could have seen that exchange because I'm like, hey, buddy. Get out of bed and help this lady. What's wrong with you? I'd right. like to see that. But yeah, they're back on the road now. They've gotten gas. Uh, the sailor might have beat up the old man. I don't know. It's left to our imagination. <laughs> but they get the gas and they're back <laughs> on the road. And he tells uh, Nan, he's like, wow, uh, I'm going to have to get a picture because, or, or something. He says something to the effect like, the guys on my ship are never going to believe that I got a ride with this beautiful lady and she's going to take me all the way to the dock of my ship. And uh, or he says something like, "What's the percentage that they're going to believe me?" or something like that. And so they they get to talking a little bit, and uh, after a while, uh, she reveals um, to the sailor. What was the sailor's name? Did it give his name? And they, uh, I don't believe it. No, I don't think it's a sailor. Yeah, and so she's talking about the. She eventually comes to talk about the hitchhiker, and she tells him that she tells the sailor that she's trying to run him over eventually and that really like freaks him out and then all this you know everything was pleasant going along nicely up until that point and then the sailor starts to get freaked out by this lady now the nan he's uh he starts right to maybe you can worry about her mental state i don't know he, and he wants her to stop 
and she's like begging him, like, "No, stay with me. Uh, just ride with me. I'm, I'm afraid. Please just go the rest of the trip with me. I'll do whatever you, you know, whatever you need, or, or take you wherever you want to go. Just, I, I don't want to be alone. Go ahead, Jimbo." Right, yeah, he he is really infatuated with her when he gets in the car. He's like, you can tell with his eyes, he's checking her out up and down. He's like, look, yeah. these guys aren't going to believe me, you know. And you, you think, hey, this is going to go somewhere, you know, like maybe a love interest, a one-night fling, whatever. Um, you know, he's like, um, then she's like, well, do you ever hitchhike, Max? He's like, no, not really. She's, he's like, do you, you ever pick up hitchhikers? She's like, not really, you know. And she's like, well, you know, um do you think, I think this is where she asked, do you think that um, if I leave, is this where she says, if do you think somebody could stay ahead of you the entire time, no matter how fast they were going? Like, if I was going 45 miles an hour, and a, another car came behind me and picked up somebody at 60 miles an hour, could you keep seeing the same hitchhiker over and over and over? And then he's like, well, it could be possible. I, mean, I don't know if this is the sailor, if this is back at the restaurant. I'm just remembering this scene right now. So, um, there's they made it to sound to believe like it could be possible that the same guy is going to the same place and he's always just one step ahead of her. And uh, he's like, yeah. lady, look, you know, this is where she, she just, she takes the car and she goes off the road. He's like, she's like, did you see him? He's like, lady, I didn't see nothing. And he kind of looks at it. Now he's like a little bit like, what have I gotten myself into? This yeah, lady looks like afraid. she's crazy. Right. I mean, and he's a sailor, so I don't, you know, they're not afraid of much. You know, Terrence was a CB. Um, so I'm just saying that, you know, when you're in the army, they, they tear you or Navy, whatever, they tear you down, they build you up as a, as a, a soldier. And just to see this soldier, he's, he's like, you know, what have I done? He's like, look, he's like, uh, you just try to do run off the road again. You know, um, I, you better let me drive. You know what I mean? Um, uh, she's like, you gotta see him that time. He's like, look, let me, let me drive the car. <laughs> you know, there's nobody there. Ahead, yeah, Eric. and then she she's so desperate. Like you can tell the the sailor guys, he's really uh he's scared at this point because she's just revealed that she's hit it or tried to hit hit a hitchhiker. That's kind of hard to say. <laughs> and so maybe he's afraid that she's going to do something to him, or maybe she's got a history of this. Right. And she, of course, is frantic. She's begging him to stay. She's like, hey, maybe we can even like go on a date or something like that. She's trying anything. <laughs> she's trying everything. She, yeah, anything to get this guy to stay because she's afraid. And and then he's just like, no, no, no. He just keeps telling her, no, excuse me. I got to go. I got to get my shoes. I got to get out of here. He, and said, he, said, th- he says, lady, I'm just trying to get back to my ship in one piece. And with you and me in this automobile, I don't think that's a that's a lousy guarantee that I'm going to make it back in one piece pretty much. So I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. And then uh, Nance or Inger, I guess, is the, the lady. Her, her acting at the end of that scene where she starts to cry, that is really convincing. I mean, you can... She's really acting, really, her acting is superb in that particular scene. Uh, when she starts to just cry, just just bawl uh, at the end of that scene because the, the sailor guy left and now she's all alone again, stuck with her fears. And then the next scene, we come to a phone booth. Jimbo, you want to take it from here? What what happened? Yeah, so, so she actually um, pulls over to the phone booth and, you know, she's, she's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to call home. She's like, I'm scared. Um, you know, I'm all alone out here. It's the middle of the night or whatever. So I'm going to, I'm going to call home. And so this is one of the big plot twists of the, uh, scene. Um, she goes and answers the phone and, um, I believe it's, what was her name? Um, uh, uh, Mrs. Whitney answered the phone and she's like, uh, uh, yes is, um, I forget her. What's her mom's name? Um, 
I oh, forget. I forget her mom's name. Uh, but Nan, I, I think they Nan, just call Nan's her asking Mrs. For, Adams, maybe? They just call her Mrs. I, Adams. I think that's what it is. Yeah, that's what it is. I couldn't remember Nan's last name for a second. So, uh, she, she, she goes and she um, uh, gets on the phone and she says, can I speak with Mrs. Adams? And she's like... Uh, well, I said she's she's not here or she's she can't talk right now, and you're like, well, why not? And I said because she's just so distraught and so um, upset that over. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, she was. She actually was so distraught and upset that she was in the hospital. The the lady that answered, I think you said her name was Mrs. Whitney. She answers right. Nan. Nan calls and Miss uh, Whitney talks to Nan and tells her that. Her mom is in the hospital because her daughter died in an automobile accident about four to five days earlier, and she's so distraught that she had basically like a nervous breakdown, and that's why she can't come to the phone. Right, and, and she's so, like, she's like, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're talking about. She said, well, "How did this happen?" And she said, "Well, she had a, a flat tire, a blowout, and died in an automobile accident." So the entire time that you've been watching Nan, the entire time she has been dead. So at the very beginning of the movie, where or the, the uh, this episode where the tire blew out, she uh, from that point on everything has been in this, this limbo state, if you will. So that still doesn't understand the hitchhiker. So Eric, go ahead and let's explain the hitchhiker to the audience. Well, the hitchhiker, uh, just in my notes and reading, he is the basically the personification of death maybe he is like uh, the grim reaper i guess i i don't know exactly how to or, describe or, him, or fate if you want to call him fate right you could call him fate uh, and she just doesn't know but shortly after she hangs up with mrs whitney on the phone she comes out of the phone booth and everything be kind of crystallizes in her mind she recognizes and understands all of the fear sort of melts away she talks about how she kind of comes to terms and is okay with the fact that she recognizes she's dead. She's been dead the whole time, and yeah, that she's, sort of she's like, drops in on her. She's like, all the fear has left me now. You know, I'm not afraid. She's like, you know, somebody just kind of unplugged me and everything. But I thought what was really cool in the scene by the telephone booth is if you notice the light, the light is flashing on and off, on and off, kind of like a light bulb. And the, to me, the light bulb went off in her head saying, hey, you know, now I understand I'm conscious of everything around me. You know, the night, of, the night of Arizona or wherever she's at, you know, the stars, they look different when you're in the darkness than they are during the day. And then um, this is where she looks across and she sees, go ahead. Oh, yeah. She just pulls down the visor inside her car, right? And, mm-hmm. the, and, the, and there's a mirror on the visor and the reflection that she sees is of the hitchhiker man. And he says, the only line I believe he has in the whole episode is, I believe you're going my way. (laughs) It's an excellent. Right. He's ushering her into, I guess, her eternal state or whatever, her afterlife, I guess. Right. So um, I think it was really interesting that she stood by the car and she's just sitting there taking it all in for, seems like forever, like even more longer than the train. It took the time for the train to come. Uh, but yeah, when she, the, the guy, the hitchhiker plays such a good role because he's never scary looking. Um, he's just always there with his thumb out. He's always smiling pretty much. And, uh, I think he done a, uh, they, both of them played really, really well parts, did very good job of acting in both of these. So a couple of things that I found in the original story, the character of Nan was supposed to be a male named Ronald. 
Rod Serling believed that a female in the situation would be reacted to with more feelings by the audiences. She was named after one of his daughters. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Alfred Hitchcock tried to purchase the rights to the radio play for his television series, Alfred Hitchcock's Presents, in 1955 for $2,000, but his bid was rejected. Nevertheless, Cayuga Productions was able to obtain rights to Lucille Fletcher's script for $2,000 and $1,100 for each episode rerun. The voiceover narration references the radio play source of the episode. The original radio play was originally produced by uh, for a summer replacement series called Suspense on September 2nd, 1942, and starred Orson Welles. The program was so popular that Welles restaged the same script for Phil Morris Playhouse on October 15th, 1942, and Mercury Summer Theater on, on the air on June 21st, 1946. Musical cues Bernard Herrmann, which we've talked about him a lot on the podcast, composed uh, for the 1946 radio production, uh, was rescored for this episode. Lucille Fletcher got the idea for this story in 1940 when she and her husband Bernard Herrmann were driving cross country from New York to California. On the first day of the trip, they saw the same odd looking man on the side of the road in two different locations. She found the occurrence rather eerie and thought it might be a good concept for a story. Uh, you were right about this. NASCAR is a 1959 Mercury Montclair four-door hardtop. Uh, Lucille Fletcher, who wrote the original radio play, was the wife of Bernard Herman, the man who composed the musical cues used in both radio and television versions of this and also so many other uh, wonderful episodes and movies. Uh, the total production cost for this episode was $47,721.63. Wow, what a steal. In a st- <laughs> I wonder how much it was that, just the car, you know. Yeah. Uh, in a strange coincidence, before the taping of The Twilight Zone, Inger Stevens attempted to commit suicide on New Year's Day 1959 by swallowing 25 sleeping pills and a quantity of ammonia in an attempt to take her own life. On another occasion, she narrowly missed being killed in a fiery plane crash. In 1961, she was the last passenger to leave a jet that crashed on landing and exploded after her exit. This is this is her... These are three incidents where she almost lost her life which right. i think i read a little bit about her and she died at a, like 35 she was still very young when she died i think it was of a drug overdose and wow that's right that's weird so this is like two different two different um occasions or three different occasions that she almost died anyway and then to play an episode in the twilight zone where she was actually dead the entire time that was very interesting yeah. Adam Williams was appropriately cast as the sailor prior to his acting career William was a highly decorated navy fighter pilot in world war 2 so okay. the sailor there was a World War II fighter pilot. Uh, Mitzi McCall, the waitress, uh, later played a middle-aged woman in the Twilight Zone, The Elevator, uh, To See the Invisible Man, and Tooth and Consequences in 1986. Um, in the final scene, the uncredited voice on the telephone is an unmistakable character, actress Eleanor Audley. Uh, when Nan tries to run over the hitchhiker, she swerves her car, a light-colored 1959 Mercury, at him. But in the insert shot that shows the car swerving, it's a black 1957 Ford, so there is obviously some continuity errors there. After Nan narrowly escapes getting hit by the train, we hear her voice with two close-up shots of her. The first has sun on her lower face, uh, but the shot changes slightly and the sun is then gone. Uh, the woman mentions that she's taking Route 80 multiple times. She also mentions that she's driving through Virginia, Tennessee, Arkansas, and New Mexico. Neither I-80 nor U.S. Route 80 run through any of these states. When Nan uh, is in her car, escapes the oncoming train, the locomotive is clearly marked SP on the nose. The Southern Pacific Railroad did not serve the part of the uh, did not serve this part of the U.S. 
um, she was supposed to be in. It is obviously footage shot in California where the S&P did run. When Nan is getting her tire changed, the voiceover says she's in Pennsylvania, yet we see that she's on a road with a desert uh, with desert alongside, so there's no way that she could be in Pennsylvania. And when Nan's car runs out of gas in New Mexico, she walks down a road and passes a sign reading, Gas East Just Ahead. The sign is facing the same direction she is walking, indicating that Just Ahead is the other way, yet she continues walking in the same direction, which I pointed out that I noticed when I first watched this episode. So, Eric, go ahead and tell me your thoughts, feelings on the episode, The Hitchhiker. I uh, thought it was another good one. Um, again, just dealing with those uh, topics of uh, life and death. That was really interesting at the beginning of the uh, podcast. We talked about the, the whole story, how uh, Rod Sterling came upon the story um, and offered... Uh, oh, wait, that was the last episode. <laughs> that was the last up. episode, Eric. We're, we're, doing two, <laughs> we're doing two episodes today, so I'm a little confused. Uh, again, I just thought it was really... Uh, I thought it was a great uh, episode, and uh, yeah, uh, it reminded me, I think I mentioned this earlier, it reminded me of the the movie Ghost a little bit, and the fact that she's sort of in limbo, and she's not really passed on all the way, and uh, yeah, so uh, again, probably not a top fiver, but it it definitely was a a cool story. See, this is where I'm going to disagree with you. I really like this episode. As a matter of fact, uh, so far in the season, my two favorites have probably been the Time Enough at Last with Burgess Meredith and then probably this one. Uh, just okay. for the simple uh, premiere that um, I was a big Alfred Hitchcock fan. Still am. Uh, this episode reminds me so much of Psycho. Uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's crazy. Um, you know, both uh, have lead female actresses are, you know, playing, playing these roles. Um, they're both in a car for a amount of period of time. Just the, the emotions that they put into... Uh, their character, um, I loved every single bit of it. And then you also have that thing, like we talk about, uh, Rod Sterling uh, goes over some of these topics that are hard to hit home. Hitchhiking, Eric, have you ever pitched up, picked up a hitchhiker? Especially late at night, like this lady, you know, he, she sees him on the side of the road at late at night sometimes. Would you pick up a hitchhiker, or have you ever p- picked up a hitchhiker? No, never, and will never. <laughs> See, I have, I have a couple of times, just because I've seen the flat tire or whatever they had, and they're walking along... Uh, pretty treacherous to terrain here, either whether it's on um, State Road 40 um, out there yeah. by close to you or it's uh, on the interstate somewhere, you know, and, and you see them with little kids and everything. And I don't want to see anybody get hurt or killed uh, just because of fate stepped in and they had that uh, accident. Yeah, I guess let me amend that. If if it was something uh, like if I came upon a scene where it was like a family and it wasn't threatening, uh, something like that, yeah, obviously, or at least try to get out and help somebody change their tire, or get them to right. a gas station or something like that. But if it's just like a some dude on the side of the road and, you know, he looks a little bit uh, suspect, I might not be as apt to, to pull over and help out that guy because he could be a mass murderer or something. So, yeah. <laughs> and I once again, I, he is, he is ADZ. He's still living in the eighties folks. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, after um, the, after the 1970s, uh, hitchhiking, uh, not so popular anymore because you know, a lot of bad things happened to, uh, to people in the 1970s <laughs> by hitchhikers. Uh, yeah. So, um, like I said, I love this episode. This episode's great. Um, and then again, it just shows the brilliance of Rod Serling. Um, and also, I like the uh, the just the subtle uh, shadows. Lighting always plays a, a key effect. And in a lot of these episodes, you'll notice the way that he uses the shadowing and the ways he, he uses lights to tell part of the story that subconsciously, or maybe consciously you're not thinking of, but subconsciously you're picking up on these things. Like I showed, uh, told you about the flashing light here. 
um, by the telephone about, hey, bing, the light came on for, you know what I mean? Um, well done. Uh, my hat's off to you, Rod Sterling. We love the Twilight Zone. So, well, um, look forward to next week when we co- cover a couple of more episodes. Um, the next couple are pretty good, too. I'm not going to lie. But this is probably number two for me right now as far as what we've watched. Um, what would you say are your top two so far, Eric, that we've watched or covered in season one? I don't know. You're you're persuading me with this episode after your uh, your explanation, and I'm coming around on it. Um, I think episode one, the very first episode, is probably my favorite by far. And then my second episode, as far as if I were to favor them, it probably comes later. And see, I think it's season three. No, no, no. I'm. I just want to know about the ones that we've covered up to this oh, point. Oh, season one. That would there's just episodes one through what is this number sixteen? I just want what's your top two in the, the span of the first season that we've done? Because at the end of season one, I'm gonna give. I want you to list me your top three out of all of ones from season one, and then once okay. we get done with the series, we'll do our of all time. Okay, so the first episode and the Burgess Meredith uh, episode are my top two. Time enough so at last. Yeah. Okay, uh, that's what I thought because that's that that's probably gonna be one of my top five. Of all of it, <laughs> just because it's great. Yeah. Um, but, Eric, I know your food's about to burn, so I guess we better wrap this one up. <laughs> so this episode's coming to a close. And, Eric, take it away. And that's a wrap. And, and cut.